The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, December 15, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. We had a nice game Wednesday night. Perhaps we'll get to it. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home. I'm at home. And I suppose the place to start is with the happenings Tuesday night inside FedEx Forum. It's a home home game for me. I set courtside in the city in which I was born. City in which I was born. The city in which Elvis Presley died and watched Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers upset number six Alabama in front of a really nice crowd just off of Bill Street. Final score, Memphis 92 Alabama 78. The Tigers snapped a four-game losing streak featuring losses to Iowa State, Georgia, Ole Miss, Murray State. They snapped this four-game losing streak by blowing out an Alabama team that had just beaten the preseason number one team, Gonzaga, and the team picked to win Memphis's league. That's Houston. Make sense of that, dead leg. You're asking me to make sense of that? Make sense of what I just said. They what? were on a four-game losing streak. Two losses were to yeah. the teams picked last in the SEC and the Big 12. Another loss was to a team picked third in the OVC, and they snapped their four-game losing streak by beating a team that was ranked sixth in the country and had just beaten the preseason number one, Gonzaga, and the team picked to win Memphis's league, Houston. Make sense of it, dead leg. It's almost as if predicting behavioral patterns of 17, 18, 19, and 20 year olds in a group setting uh, under athletic circumstances is really hard to do. Not for me. Not for me. It's not hard. Uh, Your record in the weekend picks might suggest otherwise there, but who needs facts, right? I don't need facts. That's that's correct. Uh, And you don't need sleep either by the looks of it. So you're looking. looking The last time I looked at the clock that I remember, 3.14 a.m. There we go. Last time I remember looking at it. Yeah. Um, Alabama was uh, was out of sorts, man. Give credit to Memphis. And there's a few different ways we can go with this here. But I certainly a a humongous uh, potential pivot point. Did you hear? Did you hear the audio from what uh, Penny said to his team in the locker room after? I last time I remember looking at the uh, clock was 314 a.m. And I don't believe I'd seen it at that point. You didn't hear what he said? Well, like, is there video or audio of him in the locker room? Yeah, so, I, got, I, I did not see that, no. Yeah, no, the podcast actually, um, we acquired this audio. I don't think anyone else has this here. So this is what this is what Penny said to his team minutes after going into the locker room. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Wow. I missed that. <laughs> No, no one else has that, by the way. 
That is an Eye on College Basketball podcast exclusive. He's thinking they're back. Tigers look, they look back as hell last night. And love that you were able to be in the building there. Um, my takeaway is way more about Memphis than Alabama. But of course, we can get to the Tide in a minute if you want. But I think the primary talking point off of this is, and you wrote a column about it, so we'll have you hit on those beats. But let's look at the minutes played in this one. Okay. DeAndre Williams at 33 minutes. Landers Nally was on the court for 36. Jalen Dern, 27. Alex Lomax, 30. Tyler Harris, 16 minutes. Lester Quinones, 27. And Imani Bates was on the floor for 15 minutes. Um, most of those in the first half. He had seven points. And I'm not saying correlation is causation specifically and explicitly in this matter. But it was undeniable that when he wasn't on the floor... Memphis looked that much better. Had he stayed on the floor, they probably still would have won. But, you know, Bates is the most famous player on this roster and was the crown jewel get even more than Dern, you could argue, to put Memphis in position to be considered a preseason top 10 team. It looked the part last night, largely because of his defense. But, yeah, Bates only 15 minutes, man. Penny really tinkered with uh, who he was putting on the floor there, and the gains were humongous, a 14-point win. I thought that was, if not the major storyline, certainly a major storyline among the major storylines. Um, there are a lot of issues with this team um, that date back to the preseason. Uh, the most obvious of which is that if you look at last season's team, and I know they didn't make the NCAA tournament. So people say, well, they didn't, weren't any good, but they were good. They just didn't have an NCAA tournament resume because they didn't get DeAndre Williams eligible until December they took too many early losses. The AAC didn't give them enough opportunities to create resume-building wins. Um, so there, there's no question they should not have received an at-large bid of the tournament. Uh, no sensible person was arguing otherwise. But a lot of sensible people were saying, if you just place them in the NCAA tournament, said this team's in, they don't deserve it, but they're in, they could have won games in the NCAA tournament. They finished 31st at Ken Palm after winning the NIT. And Kelvin Sampson subsequently said, we won four games to go to the Final Four at Houston, obviously, and none of those games were as tough as the two games we played against Memphis. And those two games were, I think, decided by a, by, by a total of five points. This team got good. And the best two players on the team were DeAndre Williams and Landers Nolly. And after the season, Boogie Ellis transferred to USC. DJ Jeffries transferred to Mississippi State. Musa Cisse transferred to Oklahoma State. Damian Baugh transferred to CCU. But the two best players from last season's team decided to come back. And then, very late in the calendar, Penny Hardaway enrolled a couple of 17-year-olds. And one of the 17-year-olds is a, a wing who is heralded, was on Sports Illustrated's cover when he was 15 years old. And he was immediately going to take minutes, shots, everything else away from Landers Nolly. And the other 17-year-old was Jalen Duran another five-star prospect who was immediately going to lessen the role of DeAndre Williams in that front court. And Penny has subsequently said that he didn't anticipate it being as big of a problem as it became, but it became a big problem. And he touched on a lot of things. It wasn't just minutes played and shots and all that stuff, but um, on a very basic level, the attention that the 17 year olds were getting like DeAndre Williams is 26 years old. All right. What? DeAndre Williams is 20, he's 26 years old. Can't be true. He's older than Jalen Coleman lands, who I believe is still 25. He's 26. I thought he was 25. Penny said last night he's 26 years old. Got a 26-year-old playing college basketball. <laughs> yes. 
so so penny um explained like it was just jealousy stuff on some level as well like hold on we were pretty good last season and i was the best player on this team last season and now i'm not playing as much because of the 17 year old who is probably if you're being honest with yourself a better nba prospect than me but he's a better college basketball player than me right now and i think this was probably more of an issue with landers nolly than deandre williams because jalen duran has been good he's been good monty bates has been terrible so if you're landers nolly it's very easy to bang on the veterans which is what penny did early in the season and say you know the reason we have these losses is because our veterans will not welcome our freshmen they won't take them under the wing well, put yourself in Landers now issue. You transfer to Memphis. You had a pretty good season last season. Shot a good percentage, important player on a team that got good. And then they enroll a 17-year-old who comes in, takes your minutes, takes your shots, and oh, by the way, is shooting 37.4% from the field and 31.1% from three. Amani Bates might be great someday. He's not a good college basketball player right now. And this is among the things that made this season really unraveled for Memphis. And so fast forward to last night, I thought it was interesting. You pointed out the minutes playing. At some point last night, Penny decided, I don't care what I promised anybody. I don't care who's in an NBA mock draft. I don't care who the scouts are here to see. And there were more than 30 NBA scouts there. I'm going to play the guys that I think can help me win this basketball game that we're playing right now in real time. And those guys were largely DeAndre Williams, Landers Nolly, other veterans with the help of Jalen Duran. And it was a recipe for success. He also cut the rotation down. He basically only played eight players last night. This is something I've been talking about for weeks. He's been trying to play 11. 11's too many. As you know, I love these math problems. There's only 200 player minutes available in every... 40-minute college basketball game. Do the math on it, dead leg. If you don't believe me, pull your iPhone out. Get your calculator. You divide those 200 by 8, you can keep some people happy. You start trying to divide it by 11, it gets more difficult. I've had some college basketball coaches tell me, with the one-time transfer waiver now being a thing, they're not even going to sign more than 10 players on scholarship ever. Now, they might be um, exaggerating a bit, but the logic behind it is, you can't keep 13 real scholarship players hell, uh, happy. And so with the one-time transfer waiver being available to them, they're just going to leave you if you're not playing them and you can't play them. So what's the point? So I've had multiple coaches tell me, I mean, power conference coaches tell me, we'll, we'll have 10 on scholarship, 10 real players on scholarship each year. And then we'll have three walk-ons who I put on scholarship because they'll just be happy to be on scholarship. They'll be happy, have a happy locker room. And then the other 10 guys we'll use if we have to use them. But if you try to have 13 real players on scholarship, it's a disaster. Well, Penny's got 13, and he's been trying to play. And he's got more than that because Tyler Harris isn't even on scholarship. So he's got 13 scholarship players plus Tyler Harris. That's 14. He's been trying to play 11, and that's with Chandler Lawson being hurt and other guys redshirting. Just playing too many people. Last night, Earl Timberlake was unavailable to play because of an injury. Um, he more or less benched Imani Bates, more or less benched Josh Minot another top 100 freshman, and they just played the best college basketball players they have. They didn't play the best NBA prospects they have. And it was interesting because Penny has been preaching NBA. His entire program is built on, we are the NBA. There's Larry Brown. There's Rasheed Wallace. There's Cody Topper. I'm Penny Hardaway. NBA, NBA, NBA. 
And for the first time last night, he abandoned that in the spirit of, I'm going to play the best guys who can help me win a college basketball game tonight. And the result was a double-digit win over an Alabama team that had looked awesome recently. I'm not telling you it's a turning point in the season. We'll see. But um, it felt like it could be. Yes or no, Memphis makes the NCAA tournament just for fun. Right now, this morning, let's say it. Memphis, yes. 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 And the reason I would say yes is because regardless of what happens Saturday, they play Tennessee in Nashville, and that game suddenly is among the most interesting games of the weekend. Um, for a lot of different reasons, among them, Tennessee's point guard is Kennedy Chandler, my little homie from Memphis. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, my little homie from Memphis. It's terrific. Um, but but regardless of what happens in that one, they're going to get in the league, and they're just going to overwhelm almost everybody if if he continues to play the right people and keeps the rotation short and keeps people happy. And one of the things I noticed last night, and this is the biggest difference about being in the building as opposed to watching on TV, when you're in the building, especially when you're courtside, you can just see things that you don't see on TV. And boy, if I were coaching that team or on the staff of that team, my priority right now would be we got to keep DeAndre Williams engaged. We got to keep his spirit in a good place. He plays with so much energy. He he described himself afterwards as the leader of the team. I'll, I'll let other people speak to that. I don't know who the leader of the team is. Although if you're 26, you should be. But, 25 apparently. Penny doesn't. We've got feedback in the chat. Not 26. And you know, Penny might need to know his oldest player's age, but yeah, apparently 25. Well, what would um, I apologize on behalf of Penny Hardaway? <laughs> you do not need to <laughs> for misrepresenting DeAndre Williams' age, but he did say 26 last night. Um, he plays with incredible energy when he's engaged. Plays with, um, I mean, like, is is intense on the defensive end, intense on the offensive end, and I do think that stuff rubs off on other people. And so, uh, I'm not saying he's got to lead you in minutes per game, although he might should. I just know he needs to feel like he's a part of it. He needs to feel like he matters because last night it was very clear he felt like he mattered and the team just looked different. It just played with a different energy and a different spirit. And, you know, I tweeted last night at the buzzer, you know, DeAndre Williams last season's best player, um, you know, led the way for the Tigers, got whatever he got, 20 points, um, you know, it was six assists, three rebounds, three steals, something like that. And somebody with the last name Williams on Twitter, um, you know, replied to my tweet and was like, when you play him the right way, that's what he'll do. And somebody was like, the next person was like, hey, your boy played great tonight. So I don't know if it was DeAndre, DeAndre Williams' mom, but it felt like it might have been. Mm. Certainly somebody related to DeAndre Williams. And um, I, I think that that says something too. Like even some somebody who seemed to be related to DeAndre Williams was like, when you give him the opportunity, that's what he'll do. And even Penny last night had said, DeAndre's been down in the dumps. You know, we had to pull him out of that. We had to pull ourselves out of that. And I think the easiest way to pull somebody out of the dumps, somebody like him, just put him on the court and let him play and tell him this is his team. Uh, maybe Imani Bates will be the sixth pick in the draft someday and Jalen Duran will be the eighth or whatever. First and second. I don't care. But DeAndre Williams might be the key to this basketball team really being really good. He was the key last season and he – was undeniably the key last night. I agree. That was the point I was going to make, but you laid it out perfectly, so I won't expound upon that. As for Alabama, 
Um, man, Memphis got him just twisted in a blender. A lot of bad shots. Uh, didn't get to the foul line hardly. Uh, well, the rate wasn't that good. Alabama took 12 foul shots. Memphis took more than double that. Uh, took 25 from the foul line. That wouldn't have been the only difference, but I couldn't help but notice that in real time when I was watching. And then it's just like Jaden Shackelford played arguably his worst game of the season. Javon Quinley wasn't that great. Javon Gary, who came off a really nice performance against Houston over the weekend. He wound up falling out. Didn't have a good game overall. Uh, J.D. Davidson, you know, he just had eight points there. So credit to Memphis. It, you know, it it played defensively the way that it's capable of. And if it does that, a lot of teams are going to have a lot of issues. Now, Memphis, there was one point during the second half when it was right before Memphis hit another three. But I thought to myself, all right, this is like an eight point game or a nine point game, whatever it was. And I thought, you know, this still feels like it could go both ways. I want to say there was still maybe eight or nine minutes to go. Um Memphis could win this by 20 or <laughs> Alabama could come back and win it. Cause also the way that Alabama plays, it likes to get up and down, but uh, plenty of credit to Penny and the Tigers for showing up uh, playing like their season depended upon it, which in many ways you could argue it, it did and taking Alabama out of its game. The tide have lost twice. Now they lost to Iona and Rick Pitino down in Florida. And now they've fallen to, uh, to Memphis and uh, Alabama, oh, by the way, next week, next Tuesday, has to play in Birmingham against an undefeated Colorado State team. So we'll see if the Tide can get to league play uh, with only two losses or if they take another one there. But more about more about Memphis to me. They Defensively, that is what they can do. They can really, really mess you up. Now, they can mess themselves up a lot. But um, last night, home game, big environment, complete urgency. This isn't something that I think the team can – do on a game over game over game over game basis. I don't, I don't, I just don't think that's asking too much. And this is not going to be a consistent team. You said yes to the NCAA tournament. I asked the question. It would be only fair if I answered it right now. I will say yes as well by narrow margins. Mark me down for Memphis as a double digit seed, maybe even like going to Dayton kind of deal. I don't expect the top uh, the Tigers to beat Tennessee, but if they can make up for it in league play and really be, you know, if Houston's going to be the best team and Memphis can get ahead of Wichita State and everyone else and be a clear number two in the American, that's kind of what I'm still banking on here. Wake us up in six weeks and see how wrong or not we were about that. Then, yes, I think that's going to get them in. Had the Tigers lost on Tuesday night, then my answer would be no. I think the home win over Alabama, which I do anticipate is going to win the SEC, that's going to carry tremendous value. And so, yes, by a narrow margin, I'm not overly confident, which is kind of crazy because Memphis was a preseason top 15 team. I will also say that this team is going to make the tournament. But it's also an indictment on the program when we're talking on December 15th about a preseason top 10, top 15 team and asking the question, are they even going to make the tournament there? So still plenty of work to do. You know, it's it might sound crazy on a surface level for you to say last night was the the difference between making the tournament and not making the tournament because last night was December fourteenth. But I really don't think that's an overstatement. Like if Memphis played in the ACC or the SEC, then I'd be like, whatever happened last night, they still got plenty of opportunities in front of them. In the AAC. After last night, Memphis has three games left against top 50 Kimpom teams. Two against Houston and one against Tennessee on Saturday in Nashville. And oh, by the way, that's if they play them. I mean, this COVID thing is, is wreaking havoc on sports. And right. um, we don't know what games are going to be played and what games aren't going to be played. So mm-hmm. you can look at it and go, well, Memphis has got two Houston games. Well, do they? I mean, they're on the schedule. We'll see. And so if you lose last night and take a fifth loss, 
and your best win going into this weekend is against a Virginia Tech team that, you know, is, we'll see. We'll see how good they are. Computer numbers, at least at Ken Palm, still relatively strong, but not off to, you know, didn't get off to a great start this season. You know, what do you have to do in the in the AAC to, to create an at-large resume? If you've already lost to Iowa State, Murray State, Georgia, Ole Miss, and if you would have lost to Alabama last night, is beating Tennessee and Houston once, is that good enough? And and and, and that doesn't even take into account, you're, you're almost certainly going to lose games you're not supposed to lose in the league. Basically, everybody does every year. So you're going to lose a SMU game or a Wichita State game or a whatever game. You know, the Memphis lost to Tulsa twice last season. So I really do think last night was a big, big deal in terms of setting themselves up to give themselves a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And if you were watching that game, it seemed pretty clear nearly from the jump that one team was desperate to not waste another resume building opportunity. And the other team looked to me like a team that understood we've already beat Gonzaga. We've already beat Houston. We've got an SEC schedule in front of us. Losing on the road in a hostile environment to a preseason top 15 long-term isn't going to be the biggest deal in the world. We're ranked six right now. If we lose this game, what are we going to be ranked next week? 10th, 11th. Mm-hmm. We're, we're fine. One team was desperate and the other team, I don't want to say wasn't, but certainly didn't play with the same type of urgency because they didn't have the same type of urgency. Alabama's fine. Nobody's debating whether Nate Oates deserves to be the coach at Alabama or whether the Crimson Tide are going to be in the NCAA tournament. But those are debates that people were having about Memphis this time yesterday. And Memphis came out and played like a team that we can't take another loss right now. And Alabama came out and played like a team that was playing against a team that decided um, that he can't take another loss right now. And so it was a, a possible turning point. Now we'll see what happens uh, on Saturday against Tennessee. And what's wild is that in the span of a, in the span of a week, Memphis could go from a team in total disarray to in theory, a team with wins over Alabama and Tennessee. And that'll probably do enough to get them to a place where, um, they might be getting votes in Monday's AP poll, crazy as it might sound. Since we last recorded on Sunday night, Baylor has officially become the number one team in the AP poll. The Bears are the fourth number one team so far this season. It's only middle of December. We're going to talk about that next, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. So since we last recorded on Sunday night, just before that incredible season finale of Succession, did you see that season finale of Succession? Did you dig it? I, I, I saw it. No spoilers. No spoilers. I'm, I'm going to spoil it. You don't need to spoil it. By the way, my uh, mildly contrarian take is this season was okay. It was good. It's not wasn't as good as season one and two. That's just me. That is just you. Yeah, and the seasons one and two are way better than season three. But yeah, can't believe Roman and Jerry got married at the end. Okay, I want to spoil Succession for everybody. We we're at we got no spoilers in the in the comments asking here. I won't spoil. I understand the rules. I just rules. Could, I just was surprised that they went there with Roman and Jerry. You know, I knew there was some. Yeah. I knew I knew that there was some stuff going on there, but I didn't think they'd get married. I didn't think they would exchange nuptials at the end. You know. Mm-hmm. Baylor has become the number one team in the AP poll. Fourth number one team so far this season. Joining, of course, Gonzaga, Duke, and Purdue. Like I said, it's only December 15th. Here's a question for you, dead leg. It's a trivia time without a clear answer. That doesn't seem like it works. Oh, it'll work. Does it? We'll see. How many different number one teams in the AP poll are we going to have before the season is over? Give me a number. And then I'll give you a number, and then we'll let somebody on Reddit keep track of it, and we'll check it later. We don't need Reddit when we've got the live chat here. I need Reddit. Okay. Um, apparently, Reddit caused the Nebraska AD to put out a statement about Fred Hoiberg yesterday. That was weird, wasn't it? It was. We can if, hit you're, if, you're, if you're an athletic director, aren't you supposed to just ignore that? Yeah. I'll loop back to that at the end of the podcast real quick on it. But yeah, that, uh, apparently there was some other stuff, whatever. Um, we love our, we love our live chat here. Uh, Casey Stolzman says, don't need Reddit when you got nada. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so we've had four teams ranked. How many teams total by the end of the season? Give me six. Baylor's got a shot to hold this for a while here. So here's Baylor's upcoming resume. By the way, this segment is code for Holy crap. This is the slowest week of the season and there is no close second. <laughs> oh yeah, like if you want to if you want to be completely transparent, I have to plan this and we needed two different ad breaks. Got to make right. money. You got to make, make money. money. Got to make money. They don't build this office for free, you know? That's got to right. make got to make money. They're not flying me to Las Vegas on Thursday for nothing. That's right. So um I had to come up with at least three different topics to support the two different ad breaks. And here we go. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. So how many teams are going to occupy the number one ranking this season in college basketball? Because in all fairness, it has been, it's been a fun, relatively wild season so far. And we've had four different teams rotate at the top. And we've had, you know, more than 25 ranked teams, uh, 25, 25 games between ranked teams losing unranked opponents so far. So we've had uh, no shortage of a uh, little burst of chaos. Baylor's upcoming schedule. They play at Oregon Saturday. Oregon is five and five and just lost at the buzzer Sunday night after we podcasted against Stanford. The Ducks are a mess. So I guess nothing would surprise me, but Baylor should be able to win at Oregon. But if they don't, then we're going to have a new number one next week. After that, it's Alcorn State, Northwestern State, two W's. And then on New Year's Day, Baylor will play at Iowa State, which has the potential to be, uh, two undefeated teams. Iowa State only has two more games between now and then. If Again, if they can play them, uh, Southeastern Louisiana and Chicago State, 
and then Iowa State gets a nice little eleven day break. And so yeah, we could have on on. It's about time about time we got a college basketball game that's going to overshadow the college football playoff on New Year's Day. The college football playoff will be played on New Year's Eve this this year, JP. Son of a bitch! Really? Yeah, that's right. Good. That's good. Yes. So because I. They got their whole reasons. Now, the Rose Bowl will still be played on New Year's Day, as it always is. But, yes, this year, the way it falls, and I think next year as well, the college football playoff is playing its games on New Year's Eve. I'm actually flying on New Year's Eve. I won't even be able to watch them. Good. That's what you get for playing your games on New Year's Eve. I mean, this is the, the stubbornness and arrogance of the college football industrial complex to think that you should be playing your biggest games or, you know, your second biggest games, if you will, your third biggest games other than the title game on new year's Eve. When they first planned this, they were like, we're going to change people's habits on new year's Eve. It's like, no, people want to watch fireworks and go to bars and, you know, watch the, uh, the, the ball Ball drop the whole deal. People don't want to watch football, you nerds. And then the Rose bowl acting like it's so important. It can't move. Like, shut up. You got this. It's just, yeah, like, get over yourself, Rose Bowl. I mean, you're pretty. I've sat in you. I enjoy you. I've sat in you. I enjoy you. You're beautiful to look at. But, like, get over yourself. Get out of the way of the playoff. Let's have the semifinals on New Year's Day. Stop trying to. I'm going to fly on New Year's. I'm going to fly on New Year's Eve every year now just to boycott this nonsense. Every year. This is going to be a personal protest. Yeah, personal protest. I'm flying on New Year's Eve every year just so I can get settled wherever I'm going to be in time to watch Baylor at Iowa state. It's the new hunger strike. Instead, you're just going to, you're going to pay airfare to fly somewhere. Yes. First class. Okay. Yeah. Not sitting, not sitting on 38 B like an idiot. Where are you flying by the way? Home. I'll be in New York. Um, oh, for, okay. Yeah. For work, uh, for studio stuff. And then um, my kids, my little guys are out of school. And so I'm taking my little guys and my wife with me and we're staying. Actually, we're going to stay. Um, for New Year's Eve, we're gonna stay for New Year's Eve in New York, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna fly home on New Year's Day. So unfortunately, as I'm talking through this, what I realize is I will no, we're flying. Yeah, we're. I don't know what we're doing. I, I, no, we're. <laughs> when is the college football playoff on New Year's Eve? That's correct. I'm gonna be in New York on that day. I can watch it in theory, but I'll probably be doing stuff with the family. And then on New Year's Day, I'll be flying, which means oh no, I've planned this so incorrectly. It's That's possible correct. I'll miss Baylor Iowa State. You're like a child lost in the theater right now. I've messed um, my entire life up with this decision. By the way, side note, and I'm going to answer your question, but as I'm looking at the calendar, we got a weird calendar this year with uh, as it pertains to our podcast schedule. So Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve both fall on Fridays this year. We're going to do our listeners a solid. I think the plan will be to get those episodes out before. Like, we're not doing a live show Christmas Eve, Friday morning, the 24th. And... um. New Year's Eve at, at 10 a.m. Maybe I don't know. We'll figure it out. But just as a as an advanced heads up, we're we're helping you plan. Okay, we will make sure that we get these episodes to you in a timely manner and one that is going to suit, or at least better suit many listeners' schedules. Because you know the way the Fridays fell this year, it's a little uh, it's a little funky. But yes, anyway, Baylor at Iowa State, Parrish will not be able to watch that game. Disappointing. And it could be a matchup between two undefeated teams. And I'm curious to th- I'm curious when the last time we had two undefeateds play each other that late in the season. It could have happened recently, but nothing's nothing springing to mind. I will say six teams, though. Probably happened in the college football playoff. I don't. I, 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 yeah, but I'm talking college basketball. 
I know, but I'm, I'm a bit sidetracked. Uh, we are. We just completely spinning in circles right now. I'll, but I'll say six. We've had a chaotic start, but like Purdue didn't drop that far in the poll. Not that it won't lose again or anything like that, but I yeah, I'll say six different schools, six schools will will occupy the number one ranking by the time we get to selection Sunday. We're at four right now. And like, whereas like if Duke gets back to number one, that doesn't count. They've already been there. So six different programs is my guess. I'll take seven. UCLA could get there easily. I think Arizona could get there. Yeah. So th those that would get me to six if those teams both got there. Although, did you see the schedule? Arizona's not getting there. Dude, what is this about? They are about they're about to have to play at Tennessee. That's right. At UCLA. That's right. And at USC back That's to back to back. Yeah. Well, who did that? And there's a fourth road game. I don't have it up in front of me. There's someone else in there that's not as difficult. But they the point is they have to play four consecutive road games. I don't know. John Miller was like, I'm not letting Tommy Lloyd get off to a great start. Like he can he can start 10 and 0 if he wants to, but eventually he's gonna run into this <laughs> Tennessee UCLA USC thing. Those are that's incredible. Back to back to back on the road. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna lose at least one, and, and that's fine. It's, I, I bet you can't find I bet you can't find another three game stretch of road games in the entire country tougher than that. Um back to back to back road games. Back to back to back road games. Like you can't find that. Yeah, that might not be well, I, you know. I, or are we sure we're like what Texas Southern's doing in the non-con? <laughs> like some of the some of That's those fair. some of those are sometimes absurd. But at the from a power conference team, probably unmatched there. So yeah. That's outrageous. So like you get through that, you deserve to be number one. I'm not sure they're gonna get through that. Um Kansas could get there. Kansas is projected as a favorite at Ken Palm in every game until February twenty-sixth. It will at not win every game till February twenty-sixth, even though it is favored in that. Yeah. They don't have to play Dayton again or anything like that, do they? They don't have to play Dayton this year. They do well, have to play the same MTE as Dayton again next year, though. It'll be the third time in four years Dayton and Kansas have been in the same MTE. But they do not have to face Dayton again on the schedule, at least, for the rest of this season. You know who else could get the number one? USC. Yeah. Projected as a favorite at Kimpom in every game until February 5th at Arizona. So I'm going to go wild. I'll take seven. I'll take your – you took six. I'll go over. And so we got four, and I'll say the next three in some order will be UCLA, Kansas, and USC. Okay. By the way, on, on the note of Kansas, before we uh, pivot to whatever you want to get to next, Kansas and Indiana announced on Tuesday that they have scheduled a home-and-home -home that will start uh, next year. 22 and 23 in Bloomington and in Fog Allen, which is awesome. These two schools, obviously two of like the six regarded blue bloods, but whatever, however you want to phrase it, two of the six to eight most important programs in the history of the sport. They have not had a home and home situation since 1994. So I think it's wonderful. Uh, college basketball getting, you know, there are 10 to 12 programs in college basketball, men's college basketball that truly like matter, resonate nationally. Indiana and Kansas are two of those so two such programs. So anytime we can get those schools again, playing in hostile environments, it's terrific. So I'm glad to see that. Um, you know, if you told Indiana fans, Hey, later today, we're going to announce, we're going to have a home and home with the university of Kansas, not Kentucky. And Indiana fans want that Kentucky home and home to return. Christian, Christian Wofford killed that one forever. And then John Calipari subsequently killed it for as long as he's the coach there. Uh, Kansas is a wonderful substitute for that. So that's great to see there. And, 
I texted with Bill Self on Tuesday because behind the scenes, Kansas and Gonzaga had been trying to make a home and home work. I detail this in Wednesday's court report uh, at the bottom. Kansas and Gonzaga have been trying, but it's just that. So that seems like that is now at least a couple years off in terms of Kansas going to the kennel and the Zags going to Fog Island. But it's a fine substitute to get Indiana in there because remember, Kansas, they already have to play in that SEC Big 12 challenge at the end of January. They play in the Big 12 Big East deal, which we learned is even a thing like four episodes ago. Couldn't believe that Tech Texas was at Seton Hall. That's correct. Uh, Kansas always plays in the Champions Classic. Um, it always goes to an MTE. So anyway, the point is like Kansas has like one spot, maybe two spots on the schedule to really uh, get uh, a big school in because then it wants three or four bye games. And so that will be Indiana going forward. That will be again next year and the year after Kansas and Indiana home and homes. Um, so that's a that's a pretty cool deal. I love it. I, I was recently texting with um, a, 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 a prominent a, a coach at a prominent school. And he was picking my brain about, you know, neutral courts, home and homes. You know, what do you like? What's the benefit of this or that? And I, I and I was just like, listen, you, you're pro- do what you obviously do what you want to do, and you will. But man, from a viewing perspective, there's just something awesome about watching games on campus, in home arenas, between two prominent programs. Whether the teams are great or not, like you want the teams to be great, but sometimes you can't predict that years in advance when you schedule these things although with like kansas and gonzaga and duke and you can largely predict that they're going to be great they always are um but like two prominent programs historically great programs playing each other in each other's building give me that over banker's life or t-mobile or even the garden although the garden is, is the one neutral site that I think is just different than all others, but there's just some like Kansas, Indiana would be awesome anywhere. Kansas, Indiana at assembly hall, the best Kansas, Indiana at Allen Fieldhouse, the best. And so I wish coaches would get back to doing this more. And I'm not ignorant to the finances and all of the reasons that these neutral court games get played. But I was like watching a game the other night. I don't remember who it was, but it was like two whatever teams playing in Brooklyn. I want to say like NC State and somebody and and Purdue. You're like, what are we? Why are we in Brooklyn with NC State and Purdue? Like, who in Brooklyn cares about that? And and like, take that to take that to Mackey, or take that to Raleigh, and it's just a different deal completely. And it was like it's a you know fun game. You know, I guess it went to overtime. Now that I'm remembering it. But like, what are we doing? Why are we in Brooklyn playing that game? And I get, I get it. I know there's an answer to that question, but I just don't like the answer. I'd rather play it, you know, at, at somebody's home and then play it the next year at somebody else's home. And that's what can, uh, Kansas and Indiana are doing. And uh, uh, hats off to Bill Self and Mike Woodson for getting that done. It's a, it's a terrific series between two, two terrific programs. And um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it unless I'm flying or something like that. There's something else that happened in basketball on Wednesday night that I think you'd like to get to, GP. Why don't you tell the folks what it is? Former Davidson star Steph Curry became the NBA's three-point king last night inside New York's Madison Square Garden. We're going to spend a few minutes on that. First, let me tell you about ButcherBox. When it comes to the meat that's going to be the centerpiece of your holiday meals, Quality matters. And when you invest in high-quality meat from ButcherBox, the benefits go way beyond a great-tasting meal. ButcherBox 
sources their meat from partners with the highest standards for quality. There's no more searching the grocery store for 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. Their sourcing decisions are made holistically, always keeping the farmer, the planet, the animal, and your family in mind. There are a few things better to me uh, than a perfectly grilled steak, like a nice filet. And I love it when those cuts come to me from ButcherBox. It's a great cost. It's an incredible convenience. And there's no more driving out of the way to get the meats that I need. That's what I've been doing for years. Don't have to do it every anymore. Every month, ButcherBox is just going to ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to my home. And they can do it also right to your home. Each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for... 24 individual meals. Everything's packed fresh, ship frozen for convenience, and you can customize your own box or, or go with one of theirs. Either way, you're going to get exactly what you want. There's free shipping uh, in the continental United States. No uh, antibiotics or added hormones. It's a deal worth exploring. So listen up. This holiday, ButcherBox is giving new members uh, one uh, pack of bacon for free in every single box, every box, plus $20 off each box for the first five months of your membership. So that's free bacon for life and up to $100 off. You just got to go sign up at butcherbox.com slash ion college. That's butcherbox.com slash ion college, E Y E O N C O L L E G E. So former Davidson star Steph Curry. Became the NBA's three-point king last night inside New York's Madison Square Garden. He plays for the Warriors now. He's a two-time MVP, a three-time world champion. He made the 2,974 three-pointer of his career with seven minutes, 33 seconds left in the first quarter. He was a 28-footer in an eventual 105-96 win over the New York Knicks. Dead leg. Did you have any idea back in 2008 or 2009, that you were watching in college at Davidson, a future all-time great. Trivia time. Okay, come with it then. Steph Curry, career college three-point accuracy. Over or under 40%? Under. Got him. 41.2. That's a no. That's an That's a, That was a trick question. That was a trick That's question. Correct. You gave me a trick question. Gotcha. 41.2. I just brought it up there. Did you just ask me if I had any idea that Steph Curry would be this good? Just trying to start a conversation. I know you are. No one obviously knew this. Uh, you know what I actually tried to do last night? Or I did do, but I didn't find anything. I tried to find, I went on archive.org. Are you familiar with archive.org, GP? Is that where you watch dirty videos? No, that's right. You don't even, you didn't know how to sort Torvik teams till four days ago. So I know, I know now though. I know now. Do you, you, you tell you where Iowa state is in Torvik? If you eliminate preseason bias, 16. tell me I'm going to 16. I was going to say, I was going to say 21. So there we go. Yeah. You don't, you need to sort more Torvik. I've sorted all, I was up till three in the morning sorting Torvik. Yeah. Now you got Goodman mentioning Torvik on Twitter, by the way, changing the game here. It doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, but I went to see, I was like, because I got to CBS in 2010. GP was there in 2006. And I went, to, I wanted to find if you had ever like written a, a Curry column in the middle of 
08 or 09 or whatever. I couldn't I couldn't find it, but I was actually curious to see what you would have written and said about it because I know you, buddy. I I had a sense you'd want to talk about this well, on the podcast. I was I was I, I was at the Garden um, when he played in the Jimmy V Classic. This is after the Elite Eight run. He comes back for that next year of his last year of college. And they played West Virginia, which, by the and- way, speaks to again. Curry's one of the biggest deals in sports now. The idea that he could get Davidson in the Jimmy V, Davidson in the Jimmy V, it's wild. Go ahead. Yeah, like I, I looked this up at some point in the past few months. Like since a certain date, it's going to be very vague, but you'll get the point. Um, like the only non-power conference teams to play in the Jimmy V is like Gonzaga and, and Steph Curry's Davidson team. Like that's it. No, but you don't get in there if you're Davidson or something like Davidson. But that was the attraction of Steph. And they lost that game. I don't think he was very good in that game. And that's the the, the season where they didn't make the NCAA tournament. You know, they didn't have an at-large resume, um, which was, you know, because everybody wanted Steph in that tournament, but there was no case to be made for them to get there. Um, but I, I'll tell you what I remember is after the 2008 season, when they go to the Elite Eight, they lose to Kansas. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I remember correctly, Steph did not play point guard that year. They had another little point guard. Um, Didn't they have the tri- White Lobster? Trivia White time. Lobster? Trivia time. Yeah. Who played in the backcourt with Steph Curry in that 2008 Elite Eight run? Personal note on this. I know it, but I got to remember it. So I grew up in Vermont. Liar. I've told this on the podcast years and years ago. Grew up in Vermont, right? Okay. Scrawny little white kid in Vermont. Two doors down. Everybody from, in Vermont is a scrawny little white kid. Yeah. Two, da- two doors down from me. Um, we had neighbors. Uh, and uh, they, were in the, they were the same age as me and my brothers. Jody and Molly were the, were the two daughters there. So I eventually moved to Connecticut and go to college, all that, all that stuff, you know, post-college, yada, yada. I lose touch with them, whatever. Uh, in like 2013 or 14, I think it's on, I think on Facebook, uh, the woman, Molly, finds me, you know, just as people from your youth will find you on Facebook. Be careful. Yeah. And. I, this, uh, how, this is how it starts. Be careful. Okay. It's it's not how it starts. But the wildest thing about this is she went to Davidson. And Davidson is like one of the six or seven smallest undergrad enrollments of any Division I program. It's extremely small. So the idea that I grew up in Vermont, she goes to this tiny one. She winds up marrying Andrew Lovedale. She's married to Andrew Lovedale, <laughs> who played on that team, on that on that Davidson team. It's kind of wild, right? And uh, She had to marry somebody. Might as well be I, I know, Lovedale. but just, it's just, in, you know, I went on to cover college. Ba- I was covering college basketball at the time, and all that stuff. And uh, so you still Facebooking with Andrew Lovedale's wife. Tell us I, that story. I, I listen, she, she found me there in a, a wonderful marriage. And I can, I can report the Lovedales are still in, uh, are still in contact. And uh, Steph Curry is still quite, uh, quite friendly with a lot of his, uh, a lot of his former teammates there. I remember the white lobster. I remember, do you remember the white lobster? I have no recollection of a white lobster. Anyone in the chat back me up on this. There was a player on this team, and his nickname I could have sworn was the White Lobster because he had red hair. There was Lovedale, there was Curry, there was 
Nah, I'm lost. Who we got? Jason Richards. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, Jason Richards. And so I think it was Jason Richards launched a shot at the buzzer, and like Bill Self is kneeling down, if I remember this correctly. And like if that shot goes in, I genuinely believe Bill Self's the next head coach at Oklahoma State. I think. Oh uh, yeah, we talked about this too. I think we even we might have even done or you might have done we might have done a what if on this a story like because if he does he goes to Oklahoma State everything everything changes. But yeah. I think I think Oklahoma State buys him and he's like Kansas fans hate me. I still haven't gone to a Final Four. They were on him. I can remember a time. This sounds crazy. I'd go on radio in like Kansas City and they'd be like, "So do you think Bill Self's ever going to be able to get it done?" I'm like, "Get what done? He's awesome. Well, he's never been to a Final Four. Well, like that'll happen eventually. But like they were on. They were." They were ready. And if they lose to Davidson and he doesn't go to the final four, I genuinely believe he leaves for Oklahoma state and goes to his alma mater and tries to turn Oklahoma state into something that just buries Kansas year after year after year. Anyway, the shot misses and Kansas wins the national championship. Chalmers for the tie Dozier for the championship. Oh, I did studio with Brandon rush a few weeks ago. It was on that 2008 Kansas team. So we were talking about all that. And I was like, he was like, Oh, so you're from Memphis. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, you don't know how lucky you are. He said, what? I said, Dozier had a shot at the championship. He's like, what? I was like, Dozier for the championship. That's right. He was like, this shot wasn't close. I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was a shot for Dozier for the championship is my favorite Jim Nance call ever. It was set on the air. And it, it was, was technically true. When he released the ball, it was Dozier for the championship. That's all that matters. It's all that matters. And so fast forward a few months, July, I guess. Maybe we're in Akron, LeBron James Skills Academy. And this is one of those deals where, because after that run, here's what I remember about Steph Curry. He was Dell's kid until he was banging on Wisconsin and Georgetown and all that stuff. He's just Dell's kid, scoring a bunch of points in in a mid-major league. And then he has this incredible tournament run. And I swear even then, perhaps I'm a little naive, but I was like, that's 2008's Max Acemas, you know? Like, okay, he scores a lot. He's been scoring points all season. Now he just scored a bunch of points. But, like, this doesn't mean he's a future NBA star. It just means he's, like, bombing on people in the NCAA tournament. Not unlike what Max A. Smith did last season. So then he goes to LeBron James Skills Academy. They bring in the top high school prospects, but they also bring in some college counselors and incoming freshmen, and they do whatever they do. And then in the middle of the day, they play some pickup, and there's NBA scouts there. And I remember sitting with an NBA um, scout, and we were watching, and this was, like, Tyreek Evans was there. DeMar DeRozan was there. Steph Curry was there. This is two months after, three months, however, a few months after the run to the Elite Eight. And I remember, and this is still not, nobody's saying Steph Curry is a top five pick or a top 10 pick. That's still not getting talked about. And I remember this scout. I wish I could remember who it was because I give him credit. But this, this guy, and this is basically everybody who, or a good portion of the people who were going to be picked in the lottery of the next draft were, were in the building playing pickup. And the scout, I swear to you, he said to me, who's better than that guy? And I was like, what? Who? He's like, Steph Curry. I think even then he was still Stephen. Stephen he Curry. was Stephen. Yeah, he yeah. was definitely still Stephen, yes. And I said, I said you, like, what do you mean? He's like, nobody here is better than him. I was like, Tyreek Evans, DeMar, the, said nobody's better than that guy. That's not just a mid-major player who can be a great college player. That's somebody who's going to be really good in the NBA. There's nobody in this gym better than him right now. And then, of course, he goes, plays another year at Davidson. They miss the tournament. He ends up being the seventh pick in the draft. 
uh, one pick ahead of the Knicks, who took Jordan Hill, who hasn't played in the NBA in four years. And um, I would have the, taken the over on that, but yeah, okay. The rest, as they say, is uh, is history. But like you think of, I just think I just thought it was interesting that even after that incredible run through the tournament, it wasn't clear to anybody except maybe this one scout I was sitting with that Steph Curry was special. It was clear that he could shoot. It was clear that he was a player's son. It was clear that he could score. It wasn't clear to most people that he was special. Uh, and then he got in the NBA, and it wasn't immediately clear that he was special. Mm-hmm. But seems pretty clear now. Yeah, He set the record for three-pointers last night with Pete Davidson courtside, which is a disaster, by the way. Guess who's dating Aisha Curry by summer 2022? You're calling this one. Yeah, it's over for Steph. You can't put your wife in the same building as Pete Davidson. Kanye did that once. You see what happened to him? <laughs> you can't put your wife in the same building as Steph Curry as, as Pete Davidson. That's a mistake. Steph Curry? <laughs> well, maybe not Steph Curry either. I don't know how that works maybe exactly. I, I do 100% know you can't put your wife in the same building as Pete Davidson. Like, I would have gone into health and safety protocols last night if I was Steph. Once I saw Pete Davidson courtside, I'd have put myself, I'd have snorted COVID, put myself in health and safety protocols. You can't put your wife in the same building as Pete Davidson. That's over for you. Ticking time bomb. From his Davidson bio, full name is Brian Andrew Barr, nickname the White Lobster. That's right. Brian Barr. I only remember the White Lotus. Have not yet watched the White Lotus. That'll be. After the season, I it's know. a really good show. Just didn't end so well. Just kind of fell flat. All right, maybe I won't watch it. Um, anyway, yeah, I uh, the Steph Curry experience in college predates me getting to CBS. That was back when uh, I ran collegehoopsjournal.com, and uh, Steph Curry was he was someone who would certainly. That was when like I just knew every stat about when people were coming to my site and reading it and all that stuff. Because I would do that in addition to being a sports editor uh, in Connecticut at, at two weekly newspapers, and so I would kind of split my time because uh, I had an amazing boss at the time. And so I would I would see like Steph Curry. You wrote about Steph Curry. People wanted to. He was he was a sensation. Now a lot of that. This I must be thinking after the tournament run and all that because that tournament run was a ton of fun and really one of the more memorable ones that did not include a Final Four appearance there. But yeah, they came they came really close and. I want to say that that Elite Eight wasn't it in like San Antonio or something, or it was in a dome, wasn't it? It was. It was in a weird. It was, I remember it being in like huge in a huge kind of arena kind of deal and whatever when they played uh, when they played Kansas there. But no, I did not see Curry being remotely this good. I thought he'd be good. I did. I didn't think, but yeah, he had ankle issues early. Like it's, it's now he's come to define a franchise, man. Like it's completely wild and he's gonna i mean he's already made more threes than anyone and he's got minimally six more seasons i mean he's going to just i don't know if the record will be untouchable because no one can really say like trey young trey young might touch it someday exactly right so with the way it's going i mean who who knows but he is this uh, feels a little bit like um uh passing yard records or anything where the games just played differently. Yeah. Like, like, you know, going forward, there's so many three pointers taken in every game. 
And like Steve Kerr made this point Tuesday night. He said tonight in this game, Knicks Warriors, there was like 81 three-pointers taken. There might have been something around there. And he was like, that's Steph Curry. Steph Curry changed the way we play basketball. He changed the way you say he became um, you know, the, this thing of this, this, this iconic figure in this franchise. I think he's more than that. I think he goes down in history as somebody who changed the sport that he plays. Yes. Like like Will Chamberlain, um, like Babe Ruth. Um it's wild to think about, but I he changed the way basketball is played. You, the people do not play basketball anymore the way they used to play basketball, and it is largely because of Steph Curry, which is wild. Yeah, and I love the fact that it happened from a player out of Davidson. I don't know. I think that's completely awesome. You know, Damian Lillard could ultimately go down as a top five shooter, certainly one of the best long-distance shooters. He comes. He's a four-year player out of Weber State. I love that basketball allows for those kind of things to happen there. By the way, kind of wrap it up and tie it to the college stuff. Uh, Everyone talks about the 2008 Elite Eight run, which they should. Davidson made it Steph Curry's freshman season as well. Um, they were a 13 seed, so they were a high-end mid-major out of the SoCon. And remember, it's because of Steph Curry that Davidson's even in the A-10 now. Uh, he propelled that program to new heights. And then, although it happened afterward, I think you can easily make the case that if Steph Curry never plays at Davidson, like Davidson's not in the A-10 now. Uh, but since then, McKillop, who was in the building, Bob McKillop, his coach, was in the building at MSG on Tuesday night because the way this all it, it was actually fortuitous for him there in the midst of a, a long break because of final so he was able to scoot up he's from uh new york by the way mckillop is he still has that accent if you ever talk to him uh they've davidson's made the tournament four times since but davidson has yet to win an NCAA tournament game since curry got them to the elite eight in 2008 as we sit right now bob mckillop's davidson wildcats are seven and two overall and they have a home game against Radford on Saturday won't quite have the fanfare as what we saw in Manhattan on Tuesday night. Well, um, first off, Bob McKillop, awesome. Love Bob McKillop. And you mentioned how small of an enrollment Davidson has. Do you know this? I didn't know this until Bob told me. I, I, we were talking uh, Peach Jam, I guess it was. I know what you're about to say. Say it and see. Davidson doesn't have a grad school. Isn't that wild? So I was like, I was like, um, I was like, ah, man, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Kellen Grady that he, you know, he's going to get to play at Kentucky, but like, I hate that for you. Cause I know how much you know time you put in and I know that must be a, a gut punch on some level. He's like, no, Kellen couldn't stay with us. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he had no, we don't, we don't have a grad school. That's a real disadvantage. Yep. Like you can't, yep. you, you can't keep Kellen Grady cause he's got nowhere to go. Cause he has nothing to enroll in. David, fact, Davidson has never had a grad transfer. That, that's going to be a fact for a while, it seems like. Yeah. Crazy, but true. Yeah, I know. So, uh, yeah, he had to go. <laughs> there was no, there was no, there was nothing left for him. <laughs> they, asked, they didn't have room for him. So, but, uh, but yeah, there we go. I'm Can we out. do that butcher box read one more time? Someone asked if there was camel meat that was involved in the butcher box. Ooh, I didn't see that on the menu. I didn't see that either. I'll check. I've got a contact. I'll send an email. I'll check. But I'd be surprised. Shout okay, out to Devin. Well, what? 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 I was trying shout, to shout Devin Downey out. Before he shouts. God damn. All right. Paris is flying to Vegas on Thursday. That's it's going true, to see yeah. a sports classic. So here's yeah. the heads up. If you are watching this video, man. If you think I look tired this morning. Oh boy. Wait. Just wait. Just wait. 
I can't believe we made this damn thing an hour long. I'm fine with it, but wow. Um, if you are watching the video right now in real time, thank you to our live listeners. We appreciate you. I see we are really getting some regulars there. So that's awesome. Be sure to hit the like button if you haven't already. If you are coming to watch Magic. this after and in future times, always hit the like button, the little thumbs up. That helps our presence and however this works. Hit the like button and please subscribe, ding the bell, all that good stuff. On Friday, when Parrish is in Vegas, Ooh. we are normally we are trying to give you a, a Friday morning episode at when we go on at 10 a.m. or at 10.02 because Parrish has to fix his headphones. This Friday... We're going to give him an hour here, okay? So we are going to be live at... <laughs> Someone just said, is Dead Tooth going to Vegas <laughs> to fix his Oxy? <laughs> to get his Oxy fix, or did he kick the habit? I hope you kick the habit, Dead I've Tooth. kicked the habit. I've been off Oxy for two days now, Thank three you. days. That is a serious, serious issue, and yeah. I'm not making light of it. But the- No, I have, I have four pills left. Do you know how many people have asked me for them? Terrible. Like, hey, Terrible. you got you got any pills left? I was like, I'm not contributing to your correct zero problem. I'm not going zero. through but I do I have four left. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. I kicked I kicked I've been on Boxycon for two days. We both, days. We both have gone through the just horrendous feels like near death experience of kidney stones. And even then I was like, I don't want any of these drugs. I like I don't oh no, I definitely want them. I that that, that that's why I saved them. Um is because if I ever have another kidney stone, I'm going to try to overdose on them. Forget about it. Kidney stones, I cannot, I cannot tell you how miserable it is. Parrish got him in like 2011. I wanted to die. If you would have, got him three, two years later, three years later, it was unbearable. If you would have told me in that moment, unbearable. you can push a button and this will all be over. I would have could. I would have. I, I, I would have. I would have. I would have. I would have. I would have thought about it. I thought I, I was. I. I don't want to say the worst pain I've ever been in, but it's man, it, the worst. it, I think it was the worst. I think it Your was the wife worst. I sent a photo. I look dead. Uh, I can't, I, I don't think I can find, I think that photo might be gone, but it is. Oh my gosh. That's rough. Anyway. Yeah. We, we had a disagreement over that photo. I was like, I'm knocked out. <laughs> I am. They put me to sleep because of these kidney stones and you're snapping pictures of me and sending them to people. And now they're on Twitter. What are you doing? Did it like, make its way to Twitter? I don't oh, know. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> okay. Uh, so wh- Friday morning, when Parrish is in Vegas, mm-hmm. hopefully a couple hundred bucks richer. Right? We'll see if you can make your way to uh, to the tables Thursday night when you get there. We're going to do a Friday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, targeted start. Targeted 11 a.m. Eastern start Friday if you want to watch the show live on YouTube or if you watch the show on YouTube, but you can never quite get there live and you usually get, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes late, whatever it is. If you watch after the fact, we're going to get going 11 a.m. Eastern on Friday to preview the weekend. And we will lead, of course, with the CBS Sports Classic. That's eight o'clock Pacific. Are we sure that makes sense? I did 730 Pacific when I was in Spokane. So we're giving you an extra 30 here, man. Can we acknowledge? I I wasn't staying at the Cosmo, so... Can we acknowledge Spokane is slightly different than Las Vegas? The, the, truth, the truth is, I, uh, I'll i be fine. I'll be fine. I'll probably be fine. Let's see. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Jamie Kendrick. Legend. Shouts to Lauren now. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Baker Mayfield. Health and safety protocols. Wreaking havoc on his dead leg. 
Yeah, that wind up that might wind up being a topic on the pod. Next one, one after that, one after that. We're not going to be idiots and ignorant to this. It's if it's hitting the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA, we think this isn't finding its way to college basketball. Just keep an eye out. That's all. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. While you're there, leave a review. Five stars, nice words. Um, if you've ever had sex before you were married, please. We need a five-star review from you. There's more of us than there are of them. Let's make that known. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that. Just type I on College Basketball into the search engine at YouTube. Hit that bell button so you'll get so you'll get alerts when the new video drops. It's my, favorite, my, my favorite rivalry in all of sports is Gary Parish versus the YouTube <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> and smash the like button. That's important, they tell me. You have consent. Brandon Davies would do it. He'd risk a whole basketball season. Smash it. What would Brandon Davies do to that like button, dead leg? Pretty good rhythm. Pretty good rhythm you got there. We'll talk to you again on Friday morning. Till then. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.